are listening to Our Anxiety Stories, the Anxiety Canada podcast with John Bateman. Check out anxietycanada.com for more totally free anxiety resources, including our app MindShift CBT. Hi there, do we have Raji on the line? Mm-hmm. Okay. This is, uh, it's John. Oh, hey John. That's okay. No, okay, since you called me Chris, you'll forgive me for not knowing how to pronounce your last name. Uh, as, uh, let me get, wait. Ojla? Very close. Okay. Ajla. Let's hear it. Ajla. Ajla. Okay. Um, how are you doing today? I'm well. How are you? I'm doing fine, thanks. Just just waiting in here, talking to all these people about their anxiety stories, and uh, and with that in mind, I'm I'm heading off the I'm starting off with my guests uh, to talk to me about their anxiety stories and what what is your anxiety story? Uh, it's 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 been a long. Uh, it's been a long one of just silent suffering uh, until I think my body just couldn't handle it anymore. And so the panic attacks started coming in quite frequently. Yeah. But leading up to the panic attacks um, and in that time of silent suffering, uh, there was just this notion of something's wrong with me because I just felt anxiety all the time uh, in social interaction. Mm-hmm. Uh, having more of a public job, I think, was difficult because you're almost required to be an extrovert yeah. uh, and so meanwhile like this would just exhaust me and I would do anything and everything short of nothing to try to be social yeah. um, so that in- that included trying to uh, drink coffee and have caffeine or trying to drink alcohol and see if that would help me yeah. and uh, nothing worked um, and it just perpetually got worse uh, to the point that I stopped attending events that I should be at or birthday parties with dear friends right. and then slowly I stopped getting invitations to those, so then I just kept thinking, everybody hates me. Oh, no, yeah. Um, and so all of that was happening in parallel to me just being very critical uh, and, and genuinely thinking something's wrong. Uh, so I actually started creating a suicide plan um, because I just thought there was nothing I could do to feel normal. Right. And I had no medical um, knowledge, uh, you know, prescribing that this could be something that most people feel and was not just, you know, something that I felt in isolation. Yeah. Um, and so during the time, and it was about a five-year suicide plan, mm-hmm. uh, rather expensive, yeah. um, I realized that my, my sister gave birth to, to twins and I realized I fell in love with them. Right. And that, that anchored me into saying, wait a minute, you know, creating a suicide plan, well, I have a successful life and I have people that love me. Mm-hmm. There's something off about that. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's not something that's wrong with me and there's something that I can get help with and I'll go and speak to my family doctor about it. So that's kind of what kicked off this um, knowledge of mm-hmm. just educating myself that there's not something, again, wrong with me and that anxiety is something that's felt commonly. Yeah. Um, and so that journey of educating myself uh, began kind of looking inward, uh, dealing with things I had never dealt with before, uh, recognizing things in my behavior that were not helpful or healthy for me to to do, um, and just slowly from there start crafting up, you know, um, the support system that's required to tackle on something like mental health and something like anxiety disorder, um, and so so that was kind of how how it all had kind of come to be for me mm-hmm. uh, and now after doing that I suppose that's been now a 10 year journey uh, five years of silent suffering another five years of trying to not want to kill myself to wanting to live and choosing that to live yeah, yeah. Um, 
that that was tackling the panic and the agoraphobia, which I was diagnosed with. Yeah. Um, yeah. Going through cognitive behavior therapy, uh, really anything that people would tell me to do, I was just like, yes, I want to do this. I want to live. I want to be healthy. Yeah. Um, how did just a quick question? How did you? Because you know, I talk to people who deal with mental health issues, and and they, you know, a lot of people. The first thing they do is they do go and research as much as they can, and then they find uh, a myriad of different solutions that work for a myriad of different people. Um, and so, did did you find that you tried stuff and it didn't work, or or how did it work? Because there's there's a lot of different things you can do. You know, you can change sleep, you can change diet, you can meditate, you can do CBT, you can go to counseling. Um, how did you wade through that and find out what worked for you? It was it was kind of trial and error. I, I certainly knew how I like to learn. That that grounded me. So I knew like what worked for me. And for me, uh, the kind of soft, uh, nurturing um, resources, you know, talk therapy, things like that, didn't necessarily work for me. I, I really, at this point, just wanted to get more of a grasp of what is going on biologically, uh, what are triggers, like you just. So reading about that was helpful, but during that process, the first person who told me anxiety was the thing was, oddly, it was actually Gian Gomeshi. Really? And he told me, yeah, so he told me about his triggers and his anxiety, and this was before, of course, everything hit the fan yeah. for him, but yeah. sadly, everything hit the fan for him, so that one resource I had yeah. suddenly became a trigger for me, yeah. and um, and that just perpetuated this like self-loathing lack of worthiness and me just being critical of myself yeah. um, but that did open up the word anxiety to me right and I started researching what that is and um, and to be honest starting to talk a little bit about it more openly with my my group friends that like my confidence that I was close to there's two that really kind of helped me navigate that yeah um, I think the uh, the most helpful pipeline that was really successful for me uh, was first not tackling anxiety head on. It was first developing the coping skills um, so my day-to-day life could be easier. Right. Um, and so I didn't want to dig deep because I didn't know what was there. Yeah. Uh, but what, one thing I knew was that obviously my body is giving up on me. I'm starting to faint on flights and you know yeah. I'm having panic attacks to the point of you know them being very harmful in, in, in the social context. Yeah. Um, and so getting that mindfulness and the grounding techniques and strategies just to exist day to day and still be able to operate as a human day to day, i.e. get up, go to work, get out of bed, these, these things were all very challenging. Yeah. Um, that, that, that started from, that, that was the healthy way for me to begin my journey. Yeah. Uh, and once I was able to maintain those and exercise those skills, whether it was breathing techniques, mindfulness, um, meditation practices, um, writing in a, a gratitude journal, mm-hmm. all of those things in pe- like working in parallel in cooperation with one another is what helped me just get to the point of, okay, I, I know how to live now day to day, and now I'd like to dig a little deeper into this panic and what is triggering it. Right. And so then I began the CBT, uh, cognitive behavior therapy. Um, and, and while doing the CBT, I didn't, I didn't forego doing the other things. I kept doing those things co- like kind of in concert with one another. Yeah. Um, after the CBT was complete, and, and that finally allowed me not only to live in my... It was... I had the coping strategies, like mindfulness, meditation, that yeah. helped me just not have a panic attack. CBT finally brought me to this moment in time to enjoy myself and to go to TIFF and be at festival parties without having massive panic attacks. So 
it actually allowed me to enjoy my life. What so a power, eh? It was, it was, oh my God, I'm addicted now. Yeah. <laughs> this was my first TIFF, and TIFF is one of my clients, so it was the first time I actually got to enjoy the festival rather than be so um, un- unraveled by it. Yeah. Uh, and so now I'm, I'm currently in the process of uh, digging deeper even from there and seeing well, what caused panic attacks to begin with. Yeah. Uh, agoraphobia was one of the triggers, but I was curious to know whether it's all out. Uh, so I began the trauma therapy program for women at Women's Health College, uh, and that that is what I'm doing currently. Um, so now Fabulous. I'm getting educated on biologically, you know, what, what, what is the function of our brain? Um, what does the amygdala do? Yeah. <laughs> How do you get triggered? Yeah. And I think that that kind of knowledge helps us be kinder and more compassionate to ourselves because we're like, okay, well, you know, it's not like there's some strange uh, defect in our DNA. Yeah. Uh, this is common. This is normal. This is the way the human body works. Yeah. And, and these are the elements that lead to you um, behaving in certain ways in social context. So uh, it, it, the education has been helpful for me to um, to really, you know, I do have to constantly toggle between finally enjoying myself in the moment through CBT, but right. through trauma, I have to keep going back into the history. Yeah. It's, that, it's, that it's is a good, challenging. Yeah, that, of course it is. But you're, you know, only when you're really in a good place to tackle that, do you go and tackle that. And it sounds like that's what you've done. I've, I've created it to me. I created a business plan <laughs> and, and <laughs> oh, that's how I work. I, I create work schedules. And I can see how CBT schedules. would work for you that way then. Yeah. So I, I created these milestones and intentions and, and kind of a, a this this framework of how I'd like to tackle this really large issue that I know nothing about. Yeah. And and through that intentional design of how I'd like to go about it, I mean, of course, things have shifted here and there, and I'm learning of new techniques, and there is certainly this openness um, to hear other people's stories and try to see what works for me and not. Um, but that framework has kept me going because I'm like, you know what? CBT is an 11-month program for me, and I'm going to commit to that. Yeah. And after that, I'm going to have some time and then I'm going to start trauma therapy. There is something almost guiding me through it because that initial research was done for me. Right. And you've used, have you used the MindShift app? I have. I use it. I mean, I used it prior to Alistair and uh, me even knowing it was a part of uh, Anxiety Canada. Uh, I had downloaded it as a part of my CBT. Oh, And I use it on a daily basis. Oh, great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, that's that's yeah, it's turning into. It seems like it's a, a really good. It's nice. I mean, it, what's beautiful about it also is that it's a, a free resource too, um, and I think that helps a lot. You know, I've downloaded meditation apps and so on and so forth, and you can only go so far before you have to start paying money. You know, for me, mental health is something that should be free. Uh, to, to get mental health help, it should be free right across the board, just because it's so. I mean, that's that's what we are. We are creatures that are like that. So. I don't know why it's not more prevalent uh, resources for mental health because, like, I live in downtown Toronto, and so when I look out my, when I walk out my door or look out my window, there's homelessness all over the place, and yeah. people are trying to tackle just the bait, the bare bones of homelessness by providing more shelters. I don't know why we don't dig deeper and think, wait, there's mental health issues here. A lot of people go onto the streets because there's, you know, unsatisfied um, or unrecognized mental health issues. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I think about that, that, that actually it, it is very disheartening. My brother has, has schizophrenia. Mm-hmm. Uh, he tried to kill my dad twice, which is oh, what led to his diagnosis. Yeah. But he was toggling between being in prison and being 
out of prison and a restraining order. Like it took two years of me championing his diagnosis yeah. for law enforcement to finally take it seriously. But that took two years yeah. of a person that spoke English, yeah. that understood, um, you know, legislation, that uh, understood that you know these uh, mental health organizations are resources for us, for the community, mm-hmm. and if they're not doing the job and we're not holding them accountable. People will fall out of that, and we'll just go into crim- like you know criminal acts or gangs or gun violence or substance abuse. Um, it took two years to diagnose my brother, yeah. and it was only because I championed him that he was able to succeed in it. Yeah. If I didn't, if I gave up, which I wanted to do several times, he he would be in and out of prison uh, probably for the rest of his life, and I would not be surprised if he was one person that either committed suicide himself or went into a public space and, and killed others like right. that thought is not wild to me yeah. i think that was a very real thought which is what kept me going in pursuit of getting him the help yeah. he needed yeah. do you know what i mean yeah i do and you know what uh i'm gonna wrap up but i'm gonna tell you what you're doing and what we're doing here is is part of this process and i think it's great that we're here now and that the people are sharing their stories and you sharing your story is an incredibly powerful thing and um it's all part of what we're building towards. So I really appreciate you talking to us about that. And I, and I'm really happy that you've, you know, that you worked through it and that you've found uh, some way to start to cope with this because it's a, it's a difficult challenge. Yeah. It was life or death. It's, it's that real. Yeah. And so I, I'm happy as well yeah, for sure. <laughs> that I was able to get this far, but I, I also feel it's part of our job, like you said, to pay it forward and to try to keep that space and resources for people who are who are not there yet and yeah. who are still at that level of should I, can I, will I, how do I, yeah. you know. Okay. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Thanks very much for talking to us, Raji. Thank you. Okay, you have a great day. You too. Take care. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Our Anxiety Stories, the Anxiety Canada podcast with John Bateman. Check out anxietycanada.com for more anxiety resources, including our app MindShift CBT. And if you like what you hear, please consider making a donation. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Until next time.